Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored and powered by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. And here we're dedicated to highlighting fast-growing Aggie entrepreneurs, learning how they have overcame growth challenges with creative hacks, and connecting them with other entrepreneurs and the Aggie Network. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your other host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop! Got a little story for you, Ags. The last couple months have been very impactful for every entrepreneurs because of the COVID-19 outbreak and the shelter in place and just the impacts on all of our businesses and all in the economy. A lot of entrepreneurs are having to be creative and finding new ways to do business. So we got three of the most amazing Aggie entrepreneurs, Robert Sheets with Odin Heavy Industries, Jack Perry with Doorstep Digital, and Derek Ratliff with Horizon Firearms. And we got them together on one conference call, and we have a three-part COVID-19 masterclass that we cannot wait for you to hear. So pass it back and listen up to Robert, Jack, and Derek as they share some really good bull. Howdy, everyone. Greg Martin, Fighting Tech Society Class of 2001. And I've got Chris Hunter, Fighting Tech Society Class of 1998 here. And we have got a special treat for you all today. We have got three amazing Aggie entrepreneurs. And we're we're doing this right in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis. So we thought that we would pull in three of the fastest growing Aggie entrepreneurs and ask them and dig deep into them and their business and how they're dealing with COVID-19. How has this changed their business? How has this changed uh, how they look at business? How do they lead? So I, I want to say a, a big introduction to Robert Sheets, class of 2009 with Odin Heavy Industries. We've got Jack Perry, Fighting Texas Aggie, class of 1999 with Doorstep Digital, and Derek Ratliff, Fighting Texas Aggie, class of 2007 with a couple different companies, but uh, but specifically Horizon Firearms. So gentlemen, thank you all so much for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. I know that we talked a little bit about this beforehand and a lot of the discussion that that we're having that is non-business related is anticipation of the fall. And dear God in heaven, please let Aggie football be here. So we thought that we'd kind of kick this off and, and just kind of go round robin. Uh, like I said, just tell us if you have a particular Aggie football game or a sports memory that you'd like to share with the Aggie Nation. Sure, I do. So you always you you've asked me what my favorite Aggie memory was, and that's meeting my wife. And so this is actually the story of meeting my wife revolves around the game in Austin where AM played UT and Ricky Williams broke the running record. And so on that weekend is, is a weekend when I kinda had I decided to let the books loose a little bit, relax, and I met a cute girl. And uh she stuck with me nineteen years, pretty good. And uh I remember vividly in the UT stadium. I can't remember if we won that game or not, but it was, he, he had a, a crazy game. You found the girl. That's not important. That's not the important thing here, Jack. <laughs> but, but she was playing a little hard to get. I remember whispering, hey, hey, remember me from 6th Street? And she wouldn't look back. And so, yeah, it's a funny, it's a cute story. And um, she's up here doing laundry sometimes. I don't know if she heard me say that, but she, she has her own version of that story. But it was, had a little bit to do with a girl playing the game and playing a little hard to get. But I didn't give up and it was worth it. And um, we're able to kind of start dating from from that game. So that was Thanksgiving of 1998 or nine. 
Jack, that that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, so twice in a row, you you are you are bringing your wife into the to A and M. You owe your marriage to A and M. So that that's fantastic. <laughs> De- Derek, how about you? I say for me, it's more. I would say even after um, being graduated and stuff. So I have a, a seven year old boy at home, and uh, you know, he's born in November. And so one of the first gifts he was given was a. I'm going to get this wrong. I think it's class of thirty two Aggie jersey. <laughs> So no pressure. Oh yeah, exactly. So every year at the first ball game, we put some Aggie memorabilia on him and he takes a picture and on like in the living room, you know, watching the game and everything. So we have now seven years worth of his first Aggie football game of the season photos. And so it's kind of fun, you know, it's, it like signifies the start of fall for us. And obviously being in the hunting, hunting industry, uh, that's kind of like the kickoff for us is that like, photo of, of Aggie football kicking off for the year. So cool. R- Robert, how about you round us out? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to make mine about my wife as well. She um, she came to A&M to get a PhD and she her undergraduate was done and her graduate school was at uh, UCSD in California. So when we came back to Texas and moved here, uh, this has been, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, it was the like one of her first exposures to Aggies and the school itself and Aggie spirit was when Johnny Manziel won the Heisman Trophy, we had decided to go do a watch party at the corner. And so right after we went it, won it, we did the, uh, the fight song and she, she thought we were all crazy. So, but, and I'm not disputing that we aren't, but yeah, it was great for her to see that, you know, level of, uh, of spirit and whatnot. It was a lot different experience than what she had as an undergrad. Wow. That's awesome. Love both of you using your wives in the stories. That's always really good because, uh, you know, we, it's, it's important to keep them in the loop for all of our businesses. Right. All right. So moving on, let's, let's talk about your business and tell us if you will, a little bit about your business and why you chose to start it. I'm going to start with you, Derek. So uh, we have, we are basically Horizon Firearms and IOTA Outdoors. We are a custom uh, rifle manufacturing company as well as a carbon fiber composite rifle stock uh, manufacturing company. So we kind of run it as branches, but that's what we do. We do truly custom uh, firearms. And so, man, as an entrepreneur, sometimes you look back and you you wonder like, what exactly was I thinking? (laughs) But I mean, I uh, got into watching you know, hunting VHS tapes in the early 90s, right? And so kind of through school and everything, wanted to do new product development in this particular space. And so we ended up here and now is, you know, trying to figure out where we go from here, right? Yeah, that's awesome. How about you, Jack? I have a, a lot of other little businesses that I do, real estate, and even a, we started a wellness business this year, but the, the the main bread and butter business is called Doorstep Digital, and that's this logo here. Uh, and and um, that occupies about um, 80% of my time. In doorstep digital and so um we've got we're in seven cities we've got i've got uh one in dallas let's say about five employees local here in texas that that work with us and then we have overseas help as well we do a lot of multimedia editing photo editing photo archiving so we deal with the doorstep digital we are the secure local owned in owned in texas option to scan back up and organize your priceless photo and video collections and so there's um probably everybody here has has those collections but you, you don't you're not really motivated to do it uh unless some sort of life event happens such as uh, a death um a move or other some other life event uh, and then that's when there's a big need for 
additional hands to, to help you uh, get organized and, and preserve the thing that means everything to your family. So, so I got to ask, after our last podcast, did your Panda rental business just take off? I, I'm, I'm seeing that that's the next Aggie 100 winner. Be right back, Greg. Oh, no, that's awesome. Okay, Robert, you you, you want to answer while, while Yeah, sure. Um so Odin Heavy Industries is is what I'm doing 90 with 90% of my time as well. Um that's my main focus. And we are a spring energized steel manufacturer and a precision polymer components manufacturer. So we design, build and test our products to go into our customers' products. So we supply mostly business to business to OEMs and oil and gas, you know, chemical processing, man, just like other manufacturing industries, automotive, the a little bit of aerospace as well. And our product is basically uh, most people know what an O-ring is. They're like a much, much more technically superior product to an O-ring, and um, that is that is what we make. And uh, my big thing that I'm really into is lean manufacturing. I'm mm. a huge lean manufacturing nut. So uh, that's what we use as the backbone of our operation side. Yeah, specifically, Robert and Derek, you guys both, when, when we recorded both of you, it was relatively close to each other and you both were nerding out on, on lean manufacturing. And it was, I mean, it was really encouraging. It was great. It works. A lot of work to get there, but it works once you get the system set up. Okay, so so uh, Robert, just so you're so Jack has come on and he's got the panda head on. So that's that, that is super legit. Yeah, on the podcast, you're not going to be able to see it, but trust me, it's hilarious. But you know, I'm screenshotting that, and I think that's probably going to be the master class, you know, icon that we use. Please, there, yes, thank you for letting get indulging me. Let me. Pull out the panda master for a minute. That's great. So, so obviously, with three of you have got uh, very diverse businesses. What I've heard from all of you is that all of you aren't satisfied with just having one business. You have to have at least two or three, um, and really to be able to to see how do you lead your business. And we're going through a time that has never ever. The world has never experienced anything like this. So I'd like to ask the number one question to kind of really dig into this is how has COVID-19 and the effects of shelter in place and, and all the other things that we've experienced in the last 12 to 15 weeks, how has that impacted your business? And what are you doing to to change to this is Aggie Growth Hacks. What are you doing to hack your way out of that challenge? I'll go. So May actually was one of our best months all year. We've had kind of a slowish June, but we kept battling. And so me, I'm probably similar to Derek and Robert. When a crisis or something happens, we don't just sit back and say, oh, let me just wait for government checks to come in. Let me just wait. Let me just wait for this thing to figure figure itself out. I, if I'll speak for myself, but I'll probably speak for you guys. We go and jump in and attack the situation. And, and we, we, I come up with new ways to reorient my employees, reorient, you know, to scale back, to cut expenses. I mean, there's a, there's a list of 20 things I'm sure we're all doing, but it got really intense. No doubt. It got very intense. It got, it got very cha- challenging. We had to retool. And one thing specifically we've done that's, that's different is I've done some initiatives. We started a new business three years ago called Rise Yoga and Wellness. And we put that, we put the pedal to the metal on that business and kind of 
got that. That was kind of a wish list thing that we had time to do. And so we, we've got it going. And now, now I've been already teaching yoga classes last week. And it's been something on my heart that I've wanted to do for a long time because that, that wellness, I, figured, I feel like if we can take care of our bodies, then as entrepreneurs, the rest takes care of itself. We can, we can be productive. We can be profitable. Our employees will be directed. We'll make customers happy. But um, in this time where it's been real challenging, we've, I've kind of turned the focus on, on wellness and yoga and back to the body. And we, we, have a, we have an entity we started three years ago after Harvey, but I've been wanting to kind of save money and not start it. But this was an opportunity to probably like these other guys to start new initiatives that have been on your heart that you hadn't really time or, or money or resources to do. But this was this, we had a lot of time here and, and, um, it starts something that that's been on your heart for a while. That's that's my how kind one thing that that we handled at this difficult time of restrictions and being, not being able to do exactly how you how you want it. So we just kind of entrepreneurs will find a way around that. So let's dig into that just a little bit there. What exactly did you do with the, so is that like a yoga studio? I mean, is, is that uh, people coming into a yoga studio? And if so, like during this COVID time, if you started it up in that period of time, I'm pretty sure you were shut down. So how did you pivot your company? Yep. How did you pivot that company specifically during this time? Yep. So it's, it's called Rise Yoga and Wellness. And the Facebook group is called Rise Wellness. And um, I have been looking for a retail space for a while. And, and I held off and held off and we still have held off. So we have no space. We just have a group. And then we've made a small agreement with a shared workspace here in the city center of Houston. And they're letting us use their patio. So it's nice. There's, there's restrictions on it. You know, it's outdoors. So we have to space out there, you know, seven feet. Uh, and then we can no, have no more than 10. But it's worked out. It's outdoors. And so we kind of get around some of the things there. So we offer basically outdoor classes and patio classes. And so for now, that's been great. And we, it's, it's real small right now, but I enjoy it. And um, I'm sure a lot of these entrepreneurs, you, you work on making agreements, narrow agreements that don't shackle you for, for years, you know, so we have a very simple agreement with the that workspace, you know, we're going to do Friday classes. We've already gotten people signing up. They like our style. They like having to be able to come from their workspace and just go right to the patio. And then the city center in Houston's a neat area. And so um, we, we feel like we're building something really cool over there. Um, and then on the off days, we'll, we'll say, hey, we're going to be at this park, come to the park. And so that's the way around all these rules, you know, and we're going to have to get real creative as entrepreneurs and use outdoors, use shared spaces, you know, use private, individually owned spaces to get stuff because the businesses with long-term commitments and long-term leases are having to change their game. And we, we've been having to do a little bit of that with Doorstep Digital, but but uh, we've had to limit hours and stuff. So I'm curious to hear what the other guys. Yeah. And I know both of you guys are in some type of manufacturing. So I'd really love to hear both of y'all. Robert, you want to want to roll next? Yeah, sure. So I think uh, what we've had to do is is we're we're very oil and gas dependent, always have been. And the rig count went from somewhere around a thousand rigs down to two hundred and sixty six, I think, of last week. And so that's a huge faucet of revenue that just got turned off, basically. So we've had to really evaluate every single thing that we do and understand, you know, does this add value to our customers? Is this, you know, and this is people, things, everything. What is the purpose of everything? Do we keep it? If we keep it, how do we utilize it best? When we've taken, um, you know, my role as an entrepreneur has been to provide leadership to people. Um, I think that 
that's one of the worst things about this entire crisis has been is it's just mass confusion. I mean, whether it, you know, whether or not you're supposed to wear a mask or, you know, what you're going to do from day to day, I think for a lot of our employees, it's been real important to have some sort of normalcy every day and provide a, um, a focus for them. And we really doubled down on improving our people and making them better and trying to get them to help us be part of the solution and not part of the problem for our business. And, you know, bring that idea of like, what can you do to help us? You know, how, how do we all work together to save on costs? What do we need to do to make that happen? And we're always, I've, I've always been a, a big believer that my employees are, are the, they're what make and break me. If they cannot provide our customers value, then we will not be successful. And the way that we have to do that right now is a big part of it is figuring out how to cut costs. How do we do that so that we can still make our customers competitive? Robert, that's so amazing that that is the area that, that you that you go to that you went to because I think even in our last conversation you were you were hyper aware that your employees were the the secret sauce the thing that really made you successful so the fact that you really doubled down on that and that you've continued to invest in them and and really creatively work with them uh, this is on top of your day I think it's a t- your two second challenge where you're trying to f- shave off two seconds every day so the the question I have is how have they responded to that? Because to to me, when the one of the biggest challenges that your company, your industry faces is the revenue is not there. Well, I can cut expenses all day long, but if I don't have any top line revenue coming in, then it doesn't really matter. So how how do they respond to that? So we still have some revenue coming in. It didn't all go away, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. They, they've, they've responded really well. Everyone has, you know, is, is very aware of what we need to do on a daily basis. And that is to keep improving, to, you know, reduce the amount of time it takes to make things so that we can reduce the amount of times with time we have to be there at work, you know, that comes necessary. So everyone has responded really well. In the past, we've used over time somewhat to um, to compensate for you know for for increases in orders and whatnot. And you know we've had to scale some of that stuff back. You know it's just not possible to work like we were whenever you've got thirty uh, percent of the business that you had before, basically. So it's uh, I've been surprised. I've been very pleasantly surprised that people really stepped up to the plate. And if they haven't, you know, you have to have a uh, a lot of times you have to have a tough conversation with people. You know, if they're not there to support you, I've told people this for years. It's not it's not necessarily the individual employee employee that is the concern. It's everyone. We are a team. We are a uh, you know an organization. And if if someone is not there and present like the rest of the people, they are not just letting you know, me down or one person down or themselves down, they're letting our customers down and the rest of the people there. They're going to, you know, just, you can't, you can't let people drag you down and, and make you fail. So yeah, but being part of the family definitely goes both ways. You know, you're going to support them, exactly. but they, they, need to, they need to help too. So very, very cool. Thank you for sharing. Derek, how about you? 
Well, I mean, that's an interesting, I mean, it's an interesting question, right? So just to understand where I'm coming from here, right? We have, like, I think we talked some, you know, we have the outdoor division, the firearms piece, and then we also have a bigger play in the sense that we're one division of a 120-year-old, you know, family-owned and operated company that has multiple conglomerates in different spaces. And so I'm going to answer the question kind of in twofold as what we did horizon-wise and then kind of what we had to do company-wise. I think there's, you know, some, some good nuggets there, but, you know, from the horizon side, it's been really interesting to see because, I mean, everybody knows in the outdoor space, or especially in the firearm space, when there is a pandemic or a crisis or whatever, um, there tends to be these kind of, uh, you know, interesting buying sprees, right? And, you know, being in this industry, doing the firearms since, you know, early 12, this would be the, I would say the widest array of customer base that um, we've seen. And talking in the industry, um, that seems to be a, a common Threat, meaning that if you thought you had your customer pegged, say a, a normal firearms company that was dealing in, you know, ARs or handguns or protective firearms, um, you know, if you thought your customer base was this, well, your customer base is actually this now, you know, and so for a lot of first-time buyers and stuff coming through now, how did that affect us at the horizon? Because we don't sell directly to, um, you know, we're not a, 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 a factory rifle company, right? We have our own line of rifles. So for us, it was, I think one of the other guys, who was Robert said, you know, it was really trying to narrow down some comfort level of customer, right? So on the horizon side, we tend to be a higher end item, you know, more of a luxury based item. And so that particular customer segment was looking for some normalcy, right? It's like, I can do what I want to do because that's what I've done to get myself here. And this is what I want. And I need some comfort level. And, you know, so we've actually, you know, booked a lot more of our real custom storytelling type, you know, firearms during this, this space. On the flip side, our IOTA company sells more mass market. And typically uh, when there's big buying sprees, people will go buy, you know, a, a factory rifle and then want to upfit it with new stuff, right? And so on the IOTA side, we took a real hard pivot. We were tied in pretty strong with one particular distributor that was servicing uh, the market for us, uh, took it as an opportunity to spin out really quickly and create an e-commerce platform for IOTA that sold on a direct dealer basis, right? Set it up where a dealer could log in, send us their firearm stuff, get on, uh, get their pricing and start stocking and, and using our IOTA branded product. Because unlike a lot of people, we, on the firearm side specifically, we scrambled really quickly and I mean, we do defense work, right? So we had our defense letter. We had all of our stuff all put in place very, very quickly so that we were an essentially a, a, an essential business. So we didn't do any shutdowns. The only thing we really changed on the horizon side was our retail front. And that was mainly because we were spending a lot of time servicing, you know, people who weren't technically customers, right? Um, and so just as a trying to figure out what that looked like. And then kind of big picture wise, I think, uh, you know, one of the guys that said it too, it's like, you learn real darn quick, what is a, a, a fixed expense and what is a variable expense? <laughs> and start really putting some numbers down. And so luckily, we've got a, a, a great uh, CEO on our uh, our uh, family company side and kind of saw this coming uh, from the when it was still over in China because we do truck accessory parts, uh, we do gold and silver, and we do a lot of wire products. So wire products, we have a pretty good thumb on what's happening in China because we compete against them all the time, right? And so starting to see orders kind of flow back over. And, and so what we did is we looked at our, our receivables across the board, offered for the first time ever some, you know, early pay discounts and stuff to try and get cash as king, right? So we want to be sitting well with cash, looked at our, you know, 
our lines of credits and stuff, and then basically took our cash and put it into our gold and silver company and sort of hedged our line of credit, right? And sort of wrote it out. Then we, we took a look and said, even on the horizon side, we wanted to know that our employees were going to have long-term you know, jobs, right? And so we took a few weeks there and said, all right, we're not going to produce product across the board. And we're going to basically work on uh, lean principles and continuous improvement. And what we were hoping was by doing that, we'd come out a little stronger on the other side and be able to guarantee at least three to four more weeks worth of work for employees. And that ended up working pretty well. You know, we saw our ranch hand business, you know, make some hospital beds. Our wire division, you know, is making thousands of IV baskets, you know, a week that wasn't there before. And even on the stock side, we, we, we did a few runs there of face shields, you know, took our carbon fiber equipment and made face shields to try and figure out, you know, where can cash come from? How do you support the other divisions? And then started to, I guess, cross pollinate employees, you know, pick, you know, sales from this company would help sales from that company. And so trying to get tight knit, tighten the belt, figure out what you had to have. And then, um, Last thing I'll say, and I'll shut up, but the uh, we cut off all credit cards except for mine and the other uh, subsidiary presidents. And now we have a twice a week approval meeting for all purchases. And what is amazing about that, you cut, you know, it, there's a lot of fluff in there that you didn't realize was in there. And I mean, our first, you know, run, our credit card bills were a third of what they were running, right? And now it's like, that's the new normal, which is great. So you start getting this mentality of questioning, okay, what do I have to have? You know, and, and getting, like I said, more lean, more lean on inventory. The only thing that I would say that really hung us out with is, um, you know, component flow from other companies that weren't making those same, you know, investments. So, yeah, that's kind of what, I don't know, long, long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, that, that's, those, those are nuggets of gold that are right there. And, and as a profit first professional, and I know Chris and I have talked a lot about the profit first methodology and, and a big chunk of that is cutting expenses so that you can ensure that the business is permanently profitable and expenses that 120 days ago, you would have argued as essential. Now you realize those are nice to have. Or you start questioning like, um, is that the best deal, right? So we went through credit card stuff for, I mean, today, right? And I want to say the name of that. We have we have water delivered to the different companies, right? Um, you know, whatever. And uh, we started looking at like, whoa, wait a second. We could actually do, you know, bottle water provided throughout the company and, you know, whatever, and on half the price. Like, so you start looking at these like funny things that you take for granted in just, you know, pre-COVID operation. Yeah. You question, questioning it leaves you an opportunity to question everything, to yep. question where your kids are going to school, question where we're doing that right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just re, rethink. It's given, you know, this, this, I didn't look at this as just kind of an accident time. I looked at it as kind of a, kind of a, hey, wake up about every expense, yep. every life decision, really time to re, re, reanalyze. And I think what's awesome about that, I mean, just piggybacking off that, that whole concept, my wife and I have been talking, it's like, when would there ever have been a time when you could have paused it all and looked at you know, all the important things, right? So everybody got an opportunity. Like we work, you know, normal, but, you know, kids were at home and, you know, we had friends, whatever. And so it was like, you got to just be free and questioning all the decisions. Like you said, school, we're looking at the same thing now. Where before, maybe that was a bad thing or a taboo to even think about. Well, you know, COVID has created an environment of, well, why, right? Right. And even the so. kids are asking that because they're like, if we can get done in two hours, what we, you know, and it's a valid question, right? You know, we're playing baseball right now and it's sad to watch, you know, my seven-year-old run to the dugout. Hey, 
high fives are back. We can now high five. You know, it's like, so this like COVID T-ball environment is really awkward, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it's a uh, long distance uh, breaks and, uh, and, and fake high fives, you know, but whatever, I'll take it. Yeah. I, and, and I totally get that. You know, this is the first year in 10 years that we have not done baseball in the spring. And, you know, right now it's in, it's because of COVID, right? And, you know, parts of it are, it's just circumstances, you know, that went along with that. How about that, Ags? Was that amazing or what? There's some valuable hacks given to us in this COVID-19 masterclass. What was your favorite, Craig? Well, Chris, I think that I had probably two or three in this, in this first part of it, but the number one that I had was how all three of them said that in times like this, and really in in any time, you need to take a look at what you're spending your money on. Every business needs to spend money, but to be able to say, how can I make that dollar act like $10? And if it's not bringing the value, if it's not bringing the return, then why am I paying for it? Or is there something that I can change or is something that I can get the same amount of value cheaper? I think that that Robert was saying, uh, or Derek was saying, that instead of having the water delivered to all of their offices, they would just go and get water bottles. And I think getting water bottles in a recycled container and to be able to cut that expense in half, that is so powerful. And that's really resonated a lot with me, with a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've had. Now, I know that you and I talked about, so this is a three-part series, so we're going to do this a little bit differently. So I've got my takeaway for this one. Uh, Next time... Chris, you're going to have a takeaway for episode two, and then both of us are going to come back at the end of episode three with our our takeaways from the entire three-part series. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll leave us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever that you found us. Be sure to check us out at our website at aggiegrowthhacks.com, where you can hear all our episodes or connect with us. Aggie Growth Hacks was produced by Kyle Eckerman and Ben Wiggins with Podcast Architects. And we want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has been serving as the hub for entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a wantrepreneur, head over to their website to find a program that is just right for you. Just search McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Google and head over there right now. Be sure to check out our next couple of episodes because, again, this is the first part of a three-part series. So be sure to connect with us and other Aggie entrepreneurs and learn how they hack their growth. Till then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig them. <laughs>